you know, it's always a really interesting dynamic when you meet a founder that's like that early. In March 2016, a woman named Abigail Stone walked into the New York offices of a company called Red Antler. She wanted them to invest in her business. Only, this wasn't a very traditional investor meeting. She literally just had an idea. She didn't really have a product, she hadn't raised any money, she didn't have a co-founder. It was also different because Red Antler isn't a traditional startup investor. Right, it's a branding agency that brags on its website, quote, we've launched more businesses than anyone else. Red Antler owns shares in about 80 startups, and about half of Red Antler's business comes from people like Abigail, founders who haven't officially launched their companies yet. Investing in startups is a famously risky business to get involved in, but if you back the right companies, you can make a lot of money. And over the years, Red Antler has done just that. Only, it didn't give money to the startups it picked. It gave them man hours, designing websites, developing marketing strategies, helping get their clients' brand name on the radar of new customers. Some of them might be companies you've heard of. Casper Mattresses, Allbirds Running Shoes, and the wholesale retailer Boxed. But the chances are you haven't heard of Red Antler, even though their work could be silently influencing some of the shopping decisions that you've recently made. Stone. And I'm Jing Cao. And this week on Decrypted, we're taking an inside look at the way some new e-commerce startups are preparing for launch. Silicon Valley lore is full of stories of startups that grew out of some Palo Alto garage. But today, a handful of branding agencies like Red Antler command a lot of influence behind the scenes, shaping brand new companies before they make their first sale. And here in New York, new e-commerce companies are appearing all the time and it's getting harder to grab customer attention. It's part of the reason branding agencies are in such high demand, as well as the fact that many of these companies will collapse if they can't find enough customers quickly. So just how much power does a firm like Red Antler really wield? And what's so special about being able to work with them? Stay with us. So Jing, tell us more about Abigail Stone, no relation to me, uh, the startup founder we just heard about. Abigail is 29. She got her start at Ralph Lauren, finding eclectic objects to decorate their stores. She exudes a lot of grace, matching sleek outfits with big, bold earrings. In early 2016, as she was finishing up business school, she came up with the idea for a startup, selling luxury candles online. My friends from school set off with their shiny, fancy new jobs, cushy salaries, uh, bonuses, You know, I set out to my kitchen standing table (laughs) to, to start my company. I think it's fair to say Abigail is obsessed with candles. She was all in on her idea, but she had trouble convincing investors to back her. So I was like lugging around this suitcase of candles, like 95 degrees, and like I'm in the subway, and this thing, and like nothing is happening, and... You're like trying to start and you can't get any traction. Um, So that was really hard. Around that time, she approached Red Antler. Abigail had once taken an online class taught by one of the founders, Emily Hayward. Ever since then, Abigail had wanted to work with them. 
So I went to Red Antler with this big tote bag of different candles from the market and I spread them all out on a table and I couldn't really read JB. Um, I wasn't sure if he was feeling it or not. JB Osborne is Emily's business partner. He and Emily started Red Antler 10 years ago. Now they have 80 employees and an office in a large industrial building in Brooklyn. And then the next day, JB sent an email and he said, um, we're still thinking about candles, not totally sure, but we really like you. We want to get to know you better. And like, since this is pretty early on, like, yeah. let's keep the conversation going. sort of skepticism, right? Like she... Yeah. So I remember this part because... This is Emily here. I remember JB said to me, I want you to meet this founder. I absolutely love her, but are candles enough to launch a business around? I mean, that's my initial reaction too. Are, are luxury candles really a thing? You know, I felt the same way at first too, but yeah, they're actually a thing. How much do they cost? At the high end, a candle can cost about $100. Wow. The only candles I buy are those blue-tinted Hanukkah candles, and they cost $12 at Walgreens. That's because they don't have the luxury scent. Candles <laughs> are actually about a $3 billion business just in the U.S., and it's growing. And the high-end candle category is growing the fastest. Abigail thought she could make candles that looked and smelled just as good as those, but sell them at a better price. JB and Emily might sound strangely critical for a branding agency vetting a potential client. In most cases, it's the client who picks the agency, not the other way around. But Red Antler is actually in such high demand, JB and Emily can basically choose who they take on. And they're taking a big risk. While they do charge a fee to cover costs, and those fees can be pretty expensive, by the way, Red Antler often gives a profit to take shares in the startup. Just like a venture capitalist would. And a stake in your company is just about the most valuable thing a founder can give up. In Abigail's case, Emily and JB also needed to be convinced that there were enough candle fanatics out there to make the business idea viable. Hey guys, welcome to another video. Let's talk candles. I am borderline having a candle addiction. I am obsessed with candles. Hey guys, it's me, Drew, and I am here to do a Yankee Candle haul. And I picked up the World Journeys Sonoma Valley Red candle. Today we're going to do a blindfolded candle challenge. I'm a candle lover. I love candles. Eventually, they decided there was an opportunity. So Abigail and Red Antler started working together in October of 2016. That opened up resources for Abigail that most founders can only dream of. How many people on the Red Antler team were working on this? Oh my gosh. Um, so, I, okay, let's see. Uh, so Daniel and Grace uh, on the creative side, um, Jonah and Molly on strategy, there's Caroline, Debbie was there at one point on production, um, Scott Chaps. It took Abigail another minute to finish listing everyone, but in total it was more than 20 people. Most startups can barely afford a branding agency, let alone getting access to so many people. Red Antler served as fragrance testers, package designers, cheerleaders. They helped create the brand, develop the strategy, build the website. They even came up with a name. 
our team was really excited about Otherland, but it definitely felt like the wild card in the bunch. Really? Yeah. I always wondered about like, the yeah. strategy and like We which were like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be cool if Abigail chose Otherland, but she's probably not going <laughs> And when she did, I remember our team being so excited. Oh I'm God. trying to remember what the other names were. Oh, um, Do you remember? Yes. Uh, yes, please. Right. Consider, dedication, and then my other favorite was mammal. Abigail also got to take advantage of Red Antler's address book, even before she had the money to officially hire them. So I introduced her to a bunch of, um, you know, sort of angel entrepreneurs, funds, and said, like, here are all the people I think you should talk to. That's important because JB said earlier that when Abigail first approached Red Antler, she had no funding. JB and Emily connected her with more than 15 people. And once Abigail started name-dropping Red Antler, investors started paying a lot more attention to her candle company. It gives you a little bit more legitimacy. Um, the meeting's available uh, tomorrow instead of in a couple of weeks and doesn't get rescheduled. Still, Abigail got about 50 no's from investors who didn't want to commit. But several investors told me that Red Antler's endorsement matters. Like Brian Nicholson, an L.A.-based investor who's worked on deals with brands including Refinery29 and Reformation. If, if I know that um, JB and the team has invested in this business um, through, through their work, um, I think that says a lot about the chances of the company's success. Brian was one of the contacts on Red Antler's list. He didn't end up investing because of timing issues, but said Red Antler was a big reason he looked seriously at Abigail. Had I met her without um, knowing that Red Antler was behind her, and secondly, not being able to see the kind of visuals that they helped her create, I, I would be skeptical on the ability to disrupt the candle category. After about six months, Abigail had backing from a Venmo co-founder, founders of plus-size brand Dia & Co., and all five founders of the mattress company Casper, one of Red Antler's existing clients. Jing, Red Antler's role here sounds a lot like an incubator, like a Y Combinator more than a branding agency. Right, a program where startups apply for the chance to work with mentors and meet investors. Except you don't usually hear about branding agencies offering these kinds of services or, or getting this involved. Helping startups fundraise, preparing the slides for investor presentations, and brokering intros in the first place. That's becoming a key service Red Antler offers. And, and not just Red Antler. I mean, there are other agencies I've heard of. There's one called Gin Lane that launched the razor brand Harry's, for example. We've helped out with a lot of investor decks. In many ways, the investor deck is the perfect microcosm of the story of the brand. But Red Antler has gotten pushback from startup investors who think the agency is overstepping its role. As we got to know more VCs, they were like, yeah, that's nice. Why don't you stick to what you're good at? One investor told me he didn't think Red Antler should be taking equity on top of charging for their services. I think their opinion was just there's no way that we could understand how to do it. Um, or that our deal flow would be good enough, or that whatever their, like their selection bias, like you name it. Others said the firm has a reputation for being expensive, 
So startups that ultimately fail end up with buyer's remorse after spending upwards of hundreds of thousands of dollars for the service. But several people conceded that Red Antler gets to take shares because they just have that much leverage. They have their pick of new clients and limited slots to fill. Jing, were you able to find out how much equity Red Antler is able to negotiate? Yeah, I asked JB about it. Can you share the range of equity that you would typically take? Jing, love it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it really ranges depending on the stage of a business, how you know how we're involved, what we're delivering, but you know, generally we're taking positions anywhere from like 1% to 5%. Taking equity is definitely unusual, but startups do sometimes give up shares in exchange for services like PR or legal help. And it's not like venture investors always get their bets right. E-commerce is a notoriously difficult sector to succeed in. Several earlier e-commerce startups that got a lot of hype and raised a lot of money from experienced tech investors have collapsed. All that easy money fueled fast growth, creating a grow-at-whatever-cost mentality and the startups couldn't keep up. Like Fab.com, once valued at a billion dollars, but sold in 2015 for only 15 million. Or Gilt Group, sold to Hudson's Bay in early 2016 for $250 million. That's just a quarter of what it was once worth. I don't think VCs are trying to screw up those businesses intentionally. But the reality is, like if someone gives you a million dollars and says like, oh, like do what you want with it, and you spend it, and you're like, cool, like, but not, now I need two million. It's like a drug, and they learn to operate as a company that has the means to do things that they maybe shouldn't be doing. Red Antler's former client One King's Lane, an online furniture store, they went through just that kind of experience. One King's Lane is probably one of the biggest flops in Red Antler's portfolio. I think it was the first thing we ever worked on that was a household name. In 2014, One King's Lane raised $112 million from investors at a valuation of $900 million. But less than three years later, the company sold to Bed Bath & Beyond for only $12 million. A whole bunch of money started pouring into these fast-growing e-commerce businesses, but it was all based on off-price merchandise and you know discounted pricing, which was great for the customer, but there wasn't much margin. Uh, there was no way to become the billion-dollar business that, you know, it was sort of promised. So venture capitalists have started to reevaluate their approach to e-commerce investments. At the same time, other investor types, private equity firms, family offices, have also started backing some of these emerging brands. And flops like One King's Lane haven't deterred startups from wanting to work with Red Antler. JB says they advise companies to become profitable sooner and make sure the business has decent margins. The biggest challenge is it's just getting harder to stand out. I mean, here in New York, we're seeing an explosion of tiny e-commerce brands, and they're all competing with each other on price and for a piece of the customer's attention. So, Jing, what about good old-fashioned product differentiation or innovation? Red Antler told me that increasingly, these companies are actually copying each other's business models. So it's your brand and your marketing strategy that helps you differentiate. I mean, think about how many mattresses in a box have popped up since Casper started up in 2014. This is, you know, it's, it's a candle. We didn't reinvent the candle. Um, we, we made some choices along the way that came with a lot of thought and make it a little bit different, but it, it's a candle. Um, so really, like, differentiating it with this brand experience is 
kind of you know, all we can do in, in the category. But there's no guarantee a slick website and some cool images will be enough to make Otherland a success. Coming up next, the luxury candle seller Otherland officially launches, and we'll see whether the brand that Red Antler built is enough to help Abigail's company cut through all the noise. Welcome back. So at this point, Abigail and Red Antler have spent the year developing Otherland's candles and brand. Last fall, they set a launch date of December 12th, two weeks before Christmas. All right, we're ready to get a few more. Okay, you're the friend, please. There we go. It's not a dream. <laughs> it was crunch time. One of the last pieces was an elaborate four-day photo shoot at a stylish Brooklyn townhouse in November. Because it's e-commerce, you can't rely on the scent. Right. Like, the scents are incredible, and that's what's going to get someone to come back. But we had to draw them in through something else. Like, we needed the candle itself to be an object of desire without ever having smelled it. Just before lunch, boxes and boxes of candles were stacked up against the wall of Abigail's new office in preparation, since Otherland was doing its own fulfillment to control for quality. Make sure, oh, so this has like a little imperfection in the wax. So I'm going to pull this aside. There were last minute crises to deal with, like the adhesive for the box wasn't sticky enough. I mean, it might seem like a small thing, but if you're going to ship out product and there's any chance that that box is going to open while it's getting shipped, that's like a, that's like catastrophic failure. Then they found out that some of the candles of one cent were wrongly labeled and had to reopen dozens of packages to figure out how many were affected. So you sort of like give yourself 10 seconds to totally freak out, um, especially being like sleep deprived, and then you figure out how to fix it. With just days to go before launch, Abigail fixed the box issue with extra tape and a drywall scraper to increase the fold in the cardboard. Abigail's new company faces competition on two fronts. There are the actual candle sellers like Nest, Diptyque, and Lalabo. And she's hoping to beat those players in part on price. There's also the influx of e-commerce brands in general that she's up against. There's some irony here because in a way, Red Antler seems like a victim of its own success. JB and Emily had some blockbuster launches early on, like Casper the Mattress Company, which Red Antler took on before they launched in 2014. JB and Emily told me they've had more than 30 requests from aspiring mattress brands hoping to replicate what they did with Casper. I checked in with Abigail the day before launch. Right now I'm tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited. Um, definitely like running on fumes. We were here till 4 a.m. last night. Abigail set herself a few milestones. How do we acquire our first 100 customers? And so I'd say sort of first 100 customers and then like first 1,000 orders are, are what we are really, really focused on. Finally, on December 12th, Otherland went live. I was excited after all these weeks of following Abigail, attending the photo shoot, a planning meeting, 
to finally see what the website was like. I'm looking at it now. There's a big photo from the Brooklyn townhouse with a very handsome Sharpay featuring prominently in front of an old marble fireplace. Once Otherland went live, marketing became all important. Abigail needed to start reaching potential customers. But ideally without having to pay for promoted posts or search ads. That's why Red Antler and Abigail worked for months just on the box. It is your customer's introduction to the brand. Um, Ideally, it's something that's so fabulous and exciting and engaging that it might be filmed on a camera. And ideally, not just filmed on camera, but posted to social media, posted to the Internet. I have to say, Jing, I was sort of ready to be a little cynical about Red Antler's kind of impact on an e-commerce company like Otherland. But it's, it's clear to me, like, how much work had to go into launching a brand and how little Abigail came with when she had this idea. I think it's an evolution of what is required for e-commerce, right? Like, you know, five years ago, you can have a simple-looking website with not very much content, and you can still make good business out of it. But consumer expectations have totally changed. And the other thing that's changed is, like, all the basics are, are already done, right? You can get cloud storage with Amazon. You can have Amazon's fulfillment centers run, run your business. And so, like, the differentiator piece is really this branding. Like, how do you stand out? Uh, amid the crowd, it's it's no longer going to be like the technical technical stuff or the supply chain stuff. So so maybe it is sort of red antlers time. Exactly. I mean, anyone can do it. How do you think they do when it comes to like product number two or t- taking a company like Otherland from this launch experience into the next phase of its business? Well, so what they told me is that they're really, really good at the the launch, you know, figuring out the initial brand strategy. The operations, as the company grows, they get less and less involved. The other thing is, you know, they they uh, obviously were very involved in the launch of a company like Casper, the, the online mattress maker. But like so much of success in this space after you get past the launch is like this this sort of grisly battle over search ads, you know, pay, paying for people to view your content, um, outbidding your rivals. Like if Otherland is successful, there might be more luxury candle sellers online. And so, you know, these businesses tend to mature and Red Antler, you know, might have to get its hands dirty. So, Ching, we're now recording this in late January. Otherland launched about six weeks ago. How's Abigail doing? We've seen some great press coverage. People are excited about the brand, the products, for all the reasons that we're excited about it. Uh, A lot of engagement on social. The stuff that I think is really critical at this stage of a business is orders that are exceeding your expectations, uh, which is happening. When I spoke to Abigail before she launched, she told me she was watching for how quickly she could acquire 100 customers. Now, she says she's almost at 1,000 customers. And she sold more than a thousand candles. What we saw that was really exciting were that people who bought the first couple of days, then a lot of them then came back and purchased gifts. Or um, if they'd gotten one cent, they would get another cent or a three pack to try more. Abigail said return customers is actually the metric she's most focused on. So how many of our customers have come back and placed a second order, a third order, a fourth order, uh, a fifth order? We've had a couple of those. So it sounds like these first critical weeks have gone relatively well. It seems so. But Otherland is still at the very beginning of its life as a company. You know, success ultimately is getting to a place where 
you start seeing other land in your friend's apartment or your friend's home or in a restaurant, in a hotel. And to get there, Abigail will need to keep winning over new customers and keep the old ones coming back. It usually takes years for companies to start making a profit. And that's it for this week's Decrypted. Thanks for listening. We always want to know what you think of the show. You can write to us at decrypted at Bloomberg.net or I'm on Twitter at, at Brad Stone. And please consider leaving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. It really helps us find new listeners. This episode was produced by Pia Gudkari, Liz Smith, Magnus Henriksen, and Christy Westgard. A big thank you to Jing Kao, who recently moved on to the startup world herself. We miss you, Jing. Francesca Levy is head of Bloomberg Podcast. We'll see you next week.